Welcome to the ECS Compass, the Eagle County Schools podcast where we celebrate successes, share ideas, and find inspiration from within our own organization to spark innovation and engagement. Be sure to subscribe at eagleschools.net slash podcast to make sure you're in the loop. I'm Taylor Lower, Communications Manager for Eagle County Schools. I'm Phil Qualman, Superintendent for Eagle County Schools. So we're at Battle Mountain High School today in Edwards, and we're talking with Chris Hovel, science teacher. Uh, Chris, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon to you too. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Chris. Um, well, I've been teaching at Battle Mountain for six years. I'm on my sixth. Um, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and attended the University of Missouri. Wait, where did you go to school? University of Missouri, MIZ. What a great school. Um, and then made it out here. I was able to take on the AP Physics 1 role here at Battle Mountain and eventually opened up in my third year AP Physics 2 and have been enjoying it ever since. Cool. So the project that we're talking about today was a weather balloon project, is that right? If we're going to be specific, high altitude probe. Let's be specific. And what class was that in? It was run through the AP Physics 1 and AP Physics 2 classes. Oh, so collaborative between two different sections. Yes. Cool. And we have some students with us today. Hey guys, say hi. Hi. And uh, tell us what grades you're in. Just shout it out. Senior. 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 Yeah, so all seniors this year. As seniors, you, you guys have, have been in school for a long time. I think it would be cool uh, if you guys could say your names and say where you went to middle school or elementary school. Okay, well, I'm Samantha Lindahl. Um, I went to Red Sandstone, K through fifth grade. Um, I was homeschooled through VSSA. Um, all of middle school. My name is Andrew Fryery. I went to elementary school at Brush Creek Elementary School and then I transferred over to Eagle County Charter Academy which is where I also did middle school. My name is Liam Clevenger. Up until 16 I lived in Denver and then came to Battle Mountain for a year and now in senior year I'm at BSSA. My name is Eric Carell. I went to June Creek Elementary. Uh, actually when it opened for the first year too. Uh, middle school, Berry Creek. My name is Isaias Lopez and I'm for elementary school I went to Avon Elementary School and for middle school I went to Berry Creek. Cool. So tell us a little bit um, about this this project. What was different about this project than, than other learning tasks that, that you've done in your career? So one thing that I thought that was super cool about this project that it was almost entirely student run. We had to order the balloon, uh, order the helium, construct a case for a camera. Um, a lot of legal stuff involved and that was almost all student run. Oh, tell us more about the legal stuff. Who did you have to call? We had to talk to both the international and statewide federal aviation agency and we had to alert them every 30 minutes where the balloon was so it wouldn't be in the way of bigger aircrafts at 35,000 to 40,000 feet which is like airplane altitude and they fully supported it. Uh, what was the, the outcome of, of the assignment? The uh, entire process was based around fluid dynamics, which is something the AP Physics 2 course went through that year. And the goal was for the students to achieve a photo of the curvature of the Earth and reach an altitude of 100,000 feet. The problem is we're not quite sure where we got. The second piece to this was the Arduino. There was a computer brain that we wanted to instill inside the casing to give us an actual altitude with the altimeter. We did not get a chance to place that into the box this year. So future endeavors, hopefully, we'll get that to work. So to get out of our atmosphere is basically what we wanted to do as a class. Where did you launch the balloon? So we went to a really flat area where there'd be no trees called Topanas. That's up 131 on the way to Steamboat. Correct. Okay. And how big is this, this balloon when it's completely filled up? 120 cubic meters of helium. So imagine the size of about four beach balls. You released it into the atmosphere. How did you track the balloon as it traveled across the state? So we had a GPS. It was the Spot Gen 3 and it was inside of the aircraft. Um, 
which was great when it worked, but we had a big downfall, which was we put hand warmers in the box to keep everything warm running, which interfered with the GPS. So we actually lost signal for a really long time. We went searching off of one ping that we did get before we lost reception. How many hours of searching did you guys do like actually on, on foot or in a car uh, to track this balloon down? Probably over 50 hours. So about four or five excursions out to where we thought it might be before we finally retrieved a second ping. Over a month and a half later, the GPS was able to find service and ping once more and the balloon ended up 28 miles away from where we had been originally searching. It seems that the bear had ripped the box apart. Wow. And uh, once that happened, the GPS was able to be exposed again to the satellite reception, pinged one more time, which means the GoPro and GPS had battery life for over a month and a half. Drove up Dice Mountain, right above Green Mountain Reservoir, and sure enough, it was sitting there in the woods. And uh, the video we got was not what we had hoped for, mm -hmm. so to speak, but definitely breathtaking to see a video from above 35 to 40,000 feet. That's great. Yeah. So what, what color is the balloon? Was it easy to, to spot once you were in the right area? The balloon was hard. It was white, it's but white we have balloon. a huge gold radar deflector on it that okay. helped us uh, show planes where we were. That was yeah. kind of reflective and was easy to find once you were piece? in there. Yeah, that okay. big cardboard gold piece. Yeah. And then we used pink string because we thought that might help us as well. How high did, did the device actually achieve? We assume it got up to around 90,000, possibly 100,000 feet of altitude mm -hmm. because in our video, even though it fogged up, in the background you can see darkness, mm -hmm. which means we left the uh, nitrogen-rich part of our atmosphere that shows blue. One other piece of information about the, the craft is actually Isais's uh, ingenuity. When the launch date was imminent, we still had no parachute. And so Isais, do you want to fill in what we did to finally make this makeshift parachute that you guys came up with? Yeah, sure. So we, we ordered a parachute, but it never came here. So we um, looked around to see if we had a trash bag. So we looked at ways to make a, a parachute and shapes of it. So then we just measured out the trash bag as we needed it. We taped it on the ground and could, because we put it in four pieces. So we had to tape it all into one big square. And then once that was done, we folded it in a certain way and cut it so it could be the exact shape. We used a, a system online that was a high altitude balloon <coughs> tracking mechanism. And we put in our mass of our payload. We put in the size of our train, which was how long it is from tip of parachute to base of reflector. And it spit out your recommended diameter of parachute. And so Isais and Eric had to adhere to the size that would make sense for it to follow our projected flight path, which we were also able to input which Liam was a big part of. So we knew where it would land. So he had to make those dimensions very precise so we could be in a ballpark when we were searching. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from the students behind this project. So any project like this is a formative project in itself, meaning you're gonna learn lessons about what worked and what didn't work. Uh, tell me what some of the, the best lessons were that you know, were you to try this a second time, you would, you would implement something different. I would definitely say do a lot more research on things that are gonna interfere with each other. Um, obviously the GPS that got interfered due to the hand warmers was probably the biggest setback that we had. Even if you think you know everything about what's gonna go on in the project, there's still more digging to be done. I would say this project will never be 
absolutely complete. Each year, um, students will be able to um, think of new things and add new ways to um, get to above 120,000 feet. This was just kind of the first year, so we set a pretty decent base. Mr. Hovel, is this on the uh, curriculum for, for this year again? 100%. Is there a time of year that's that's optimal for a launch? So right now is optimal, and then in the early to mid-spring, which is where we will do our launch again. If you use this as an assignment for two classes, for Physics 1 and Physics 2, you're going to have kids of different abilities. So how are you able to find elements of this project that were appropriate for kids of such, such different skills? Great question. With these guys who were past Physics 1 students, now rising Physics 2 students, they had no idea of the fluid buoyancy equations that the Physics 2 students knew. However, these students from Physics 1, they did have a background in dynamics. So force diagramming, finding acceleration, things of that nature were basically what my Physics 1 class took the reins on. Physics 2 was able to take the buoyancy and the fluid equations and really make them come alive. But the coolest part is that these students now that are in Physics 2 with me, they actually take what they did from this project and it's their first unit of the year. And so all they're studying is what they just accomplished and makes it real and able to put pieces together in a real way. Mm -hmm. Cool. That leads into a question for the students. Tell me how this project was uh, engaging for you or different from other uh, assignments that you may do in, in other classes. Obviously with other classes, when you do projects, it's very hands-on, but this is like very, very hands-on, you know. I was um, I was making phone calls to different companies, I was researching, and it was basically nothing I'd really experienced before. It was talking to professionals and adults who knew a lot more than I did, but I, I felt like um, I fit in almost because of the background that I had built in Physics 1. It, it really just kind of gelled together. It was all like full circle with the class and the project and um, how it all came together. Our whiteboard was filled with nine different responsibilities. We had an engineering team. Eric and Isais were a part of our engineering team. We had a recovery and launch team, which were responsible for finding site and finding balloon drop place. Liam Clevenger was a head of our recovery team and really did a nice job of designing a Google Earth 3D map of the projected flight path of the balloon. We had a helium team that was responsible for the gas amounts and ordering. Andrew Friary took head on that. And then we had a legal team that was responsible for the FAA writing the script, and Sam Lindell was actually a huge pivotal part of that one. So there were a ton of different jobs. I allowed them to decide where they fit in best. They chose which part of this project they wanted to take on, and then they took ownership of it. And it was really beautiful how it turned out for each of their skill sets. From the teacher perspective, was this a lot of work, or did you find that once you had the idea that a lot of the work was, was to the students? I sat behind that desk and ran mission control. I didn't touch the construction. I didn't touch the ordering piece. They handled it. I only guided and got us unstuck from financial issues. These guys really ran this from the ground up. So the extension of that is, you know, if you're implementing project-based learning and, and, and consider this a successful um, assignment project, um, are you going to do it, do something uh, similar but a different project with other classes? There is a submarine-style project that's close to this, and I would be very interested uh, to see how it would run with a different group. Um, our advanced placement classes usually are the groups of students that are really willing to achieve 
but I don't see it not being successful in a freshman science class. Mm -hmm. To the students, sounds like some of you were in charge of different committees. Did you find that it was different getting your committee members to participate and do their work? I would say we were all super interested in the project, so we all really wanted to see the results and we wanted to get this to work. So we all really did work together and it wasn't just one person bossing a bunch of people around. We um, had several different classes, it wasn't just one class of AP Physics. And so we would keep notebooks and um, write down everything we would find in one class and then make sure to give it to the next class and then they would write down everything we could find. So collaboration even between periods. Isai, do you want to speak a little bit about how we got our balloon to have enough buoyant force so that it would rise or accelerate into the sky. So to get it to rise, we first researched how much helium we needed and we found that we needed a 1.5 times lift to get it to rise. So then we found out the force buoyancy, which is what makes the balloon rise. And in order to find the force buoyancy, we set force buoyancy equal to force of gravity and then we expanded them. After we expanded it, we added the mass of the helium because we also had to take in account for the helium, not just the weight of the box and the radar reflector. And then we made some algebraic moves to get the volume of the balloon, that's how much helium we needed. But we had to multiply times 1.5 because it needed a 1.5 times lift in order for it to rise. That was money. For the layman's, buoyancy is simply the force that causes something to float that's equal to the weight of the displaced fluid, which is the air in the world that we were placing the balloon in. Let's go ahead and take another quick break, and when we get back, we can get more into the construction of this high-altitude probe. Welcome back. Chris, can you walk us through what we have here? What we have here is the helium balloon, and that's about $23 purchase on Amazon. We ordered one that was 1,000 millimeters in diameter. Uh, the bigger, obviously, the higher you go, but the more helium you need, which is pricey. We attached that to a radar reflector, a big gold piece of cardboard, ordered offline for about five bucks, and it was able to reflect any outgoing air traffic's radar back to them so they knew that there was an object on the horizon. Not that this would have done much damage, but it was important for the FAA for us to have that. Attached to that was our payload box. The box contained two very important technical items, the SPOT3 GPS system that allowed us eventually to find the balloon, and our GoPro Hero 7 White that was supposedly going to get us a photo of 100,000 feet. We had a little bit of a fog problem because on the outer part of our box, we placed a glass casing. That is probably why we didn't get a beautiful shot at 100,000 feet. Uh, something to keep in mind for next year. Also in the box was our insulation. We used cotton balls. Liam touched on the hand warmers, which had oxidizing iron in it, which interfered with the signal. This coming year, we'd love to add the computer brain. We have an Arduino Uno and get an altimeter, a thermometer, and a barometer inside that box as well. On top of that was the balloon, and then on top of that, um, well, actually in the middle of the payload in the balloon was Isaias's handmade parachute, which worked incredibly well. It floated down from space over 46 miles, and it landed safe enough for us to recover these things in one piece. Wow. So that's kind of the construction, just a big long train of science up into the sky. The teachers are going to listen to this. What, what do they need to hear about this project that would, you know, go back to our goal, share ideas and inspire and celebrate successes from within our organization? Trust your students. Patience is a virtue when you go after something like this. If I were to have 
driven these guys into deadlines, that might have been a detriment to it actually working. Being able to be flexible, pushing back deadlines every once in a while helped us be successful. I would say just letting us start from square one. Um, we really had to take on the responsibility and um, it wasn't like a deadline where you could just miss it and then be like, oh shoot, like I feel bad, but whatever. Um, it was more like, no, we're working towards this and you have to make it happen yourself. So if you want to see the final product, we all had to work together um, and be on top of it and really enjoy the process. So I thought it was really cool that we started from square one, we did all the research, we worked on all the equations, and it really just, um, I think, helped everyone get excited about it and to be able to really make it our own. One of the best parts about this project was, in like most classes we do like real world examples of things, this was probably above and beyond any real world situation I've ever been put in in a class. Having a product that we came out with and working with people in like a real world experience and like where you're actually collaborating with other members of society like that was really unique and I really liked that about the project. Yeah, so what I really liked about this is this project we did right after our AP test and that made me enjoy this class even much better. If other AP classes could do a similar project or just something really fun like this, it'd be more enjoyable. Doing research, we realized that a lot of high schools don't do this, and it's more of like a big college project. So it was really cool to be able to do this in high school and that our high school could do this just because it made you feel more like it was actual physics. I was uh, in the email loop from Mr. Hovel uh, following your project, so he let me know about the launch, he, he let me know when we were receiving feedback, and then he let me know when it was off off radar. And I was deflated, I was sad, I thought, oh, they put all this work into it, and then several weeks later got another alert uh, that it's back, We've, it, it's on the radar! And it was, it was pretty exciting from, <laughs> from my office in Eagle to, to know that you guys were still on the hunt. Cool. I appreciate you guys uh, coming in and, and giving us a few minutes of your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Leave us your comments or teachers you want to see featured at eagleschools.net slash podcast. Like and subscribe on your favorite listening platform to make sure you're following the ECS Compass.